0: So how many of us have cried out to God for intervention in the last two years? We've uh, cried out to say, God, I need you to help with resource. I need you to help with my mental sanity and my mental health. I need you to break in with my family. Uh, can I, just, I just want to know who I'm preaching to. Uh, and I'd love to have a personal conversation with everyone that didn't raise their hand, just how you do it. Um, but I think I'm talking to the majority here as we've just... We've hoped, and we've waited, and we've prayed. And we've hoped, and we've waited, and we've prayed, and we've hoped, and we've waited, and we've prayed, trusting for a then-God moment. For God to reveal Himself, for God to show Himself, for God to extend His mercy, for God to show His kindness, for God to intervene, for God to do what only He can do, because we're at the end of ourselves. We've trusted, we've waited, we've hoped. I want to encourage us today that we see multiple times in the scriptures, and if we stick around long enough in community, we hear stories from one another of us having experienced then-God moments. And so today, what I want to do is I want to go back to almost the beginning of time, almost the beginning of time, and I want to recount a story that uh, the Bible writers uh, have given to us in order to encourage us and inspire us and show us that God has been doing then God moments from the beginning of time, and I trust that as we look at this particular life, uh, as we look at this particular story, uh, there, there may be a couple of elements of the story that we can identify with, that we can kind of go, hey, that's, that sounds like what I am going through or what I have gone through, or maybe it's, it's something that somebody that I know is going through. And maybe the Word of God can inspire us, and can encourage us, and can equip us, and can put faith in us, either for ourselves or for someone that we know at this point in time. Is that okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning as we go through just trusting for then-God moments. Then-God moments. And so we're going to read a story of a woman and a little boy, and it's found in Genesis chapter 21, and before it comes up on the screen, this is the story And so Genesis is the first book of the Bible for those uh, that maybe are unfamiliar with Christian terminology, uh, just a collection of writings that point to Jesus who we believe is our Savior and uh, the one that shows us the way and the patterns of life so that we may live fully as humans with our God in heaven. And uh, Genesis is the first book and there's a story that God wanted to be with His people uh, with all of humanity and uh, all of humanity acted pretty similar to us. Uh, They didn't do very well. And they made some decisions selfishly. And, and, and then it came to a moment where God said, actually, I'm not going to contend with man forever. Uh, and uh, there's a story where God says, I'm going to restart. And I'm going to put my blessing upon a particular family. And as that family grows, all of the families of the earth are going to see my glory, going to see my kindness. And so as all of us are able to look upon the story of Abraham, we're able to see what God has done throughout history. And then obviously with us sitting today, uh, through Jesus Christ, we have our story of blessing and favor. But uh, we're going to a story of Abraham. God promised this man, you're gonna, he's now uh, Madala, he's a little bit old, uh, and he's got a wife that's also beyond childbearing age, and God says, hey, listen, you're going to have children, and I'm going to bless all the nations through your family, and Abraham kind of goes, yeah, I'm not so sure, do you know how old I am? uh, and then he gets a little bit impatient, he believes God, and he gets a little bit impatient, and 10 years go past, and Sarah, his wife, gets a bit impatient and says, actually, listen, uh, this is not working between us, I'm going to give you my servant, and you can sleep with her, and hopefully she'll have a child, and then we'll take that as our child and blessing from God, and, uh, you know, that's a wonderfully terrible idea, uh, when you give your husband someone else to sleep with, and, uh, and th- that's what happens. A child gets born, and it's, her, her name is Hagar, and son's name is Ishmael, and he grows up, and he's now about 13 years old at the time of the story. And, uh, and Sarah says, and Sarah then falls pregnant and has a child. And then she says, Actually, I, I'm no longer going to compete with Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, Abraham, you better get rid of them. And I can picture Abraham in this story kind of going, Hey, listen, you are the one that forced me to do this. Uh, but anyway, nonetheless. Uh, And Hagar and Ishmael get sent away. That's where we're going to pick up this story and this particular moment as we trust for a then-God moment even in our own lives. Is that okay? So Genesis chapter 21, 14 to 20 says this, Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great Nation, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And so she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. God, we want to thank you for your word that uh, invites us into your story with humanity, which includes us even today. And so we do pray that this particular passage around Hagar and Ishmael, that this passage. We would find your life in it for us as we sit here and as we receive your word. And so really my goal for today, friends, is that we would be able to be encouraged. That God has been doing then God moments from the beginning of time. And we can be sitting here. I heard a story after the first service uh, just of somebody who said, hey, I've got a then God story that I was trusting for. And it came through in December just a few weeks ago. And so some of us may have received our then God story. I trust that these stories happen more than just on one occasion for us. But some of us, many of us in this room are still trusting for a then God moment in the midst of what we're going through. And I do trust that today, by His Spirit, we would be able to leave here with our faith lifted up. And we would be able to have our eyes upon Jesus Christ as we continue to look for Him for our then God moments. And so we're going to look at a couple of things through this text that maybe we can identify with. And so listen out, even as I, as I use Haggai's story, just listen out for how it could identify or how it could align with something that you're going through as well. Is that okay? Or someone that you know. And so the first point is this. It says in the scripture, she went on her way and she wandered in the desert. So Abram sent her. She went on her way and she wandered in the desert. I wanna say this, wandering, around, in the desert, is as a result of the curse of fallen humanity. It is not as a result of the purpose and the desire of God in heaven. And so when we are wandering around, we need to understand that that is not God's desire for you. All of us, at different times, will have experienced wandering around, feeling like we're wandering around in the desert. Some of us are still feeling like that in this moment in time. The reason I say that I want to emphasize that it is as a result of the curse of fallen humanity is we need to properly identify where we are and we need to properly identify how we can start to move away from the position we find ourselves in. Because as a pastor, I find so many people saying, I'm wandering around in the desert. God, what are you trying to teach me? And yes, God can teach us lessons while we're wandering around in the desert, but that's not his aim. His aim is that we would find our way out of the desert. And so the question we need to ask when we are wandering out in the desert is not, "God, what are you trying to teach me?" It is, "God show me the way out." That's a better question to ask. And we may find ourselves finding a better answer. You see, what happens when we wander around in the desert, uh, we, we kind of feel a bit purposeless, a bit aimless. We find ourselves getting dehydrated. We find ourselves uh, getting a little bit burned by the sun. Uh, maybe some of us have felt a bit dehydrated and burned over the last uh, little while as we've gone, I remember when I was uh, quite a bit younger, I'm, I'm gonna say this high, I, I don't know if it was quite that high, but this high, and uh, I'm so grateful, my dad loves fly fishing, uh, and uh, he took, uh, we went away as a family one day uh, to, some, uh, to a friend's farm, I think it was, and we, he, he was going fishing in the river. I wasn't yet at a skill age where I could fish, do fly fishing in a river, but I went along for the excitement and the fun, I love the fact that fathers can teach sons good things, And uh, this was one of those. And so while my dad was fishing, uh, I was there watching. Uh, Watching became a bit boring. And so I started to play in whatever was in front of me. Because we all know that time at this age moves a whole lot slower than time at this age. It tends to go a whole lot faster. So I have no idea how long we were on the side of that bank for. But uh, it it felt like an eternity to me. Uh, So I, I lost interest very quickly in what was going on. And started playing in the sand. And my dad said... Uh, we're just going to go. Uh, we're just going to go down the river, uh, or we're just going to go and fish at another spot. Do you want to come with us? Uh, and I think at that time I probably was uh, was quite involved in mud castles or something on the banks of the river. And so I said, No, no, don't worry. Uh, I'll just wait here for you. Uh, well, mud castles got boring, and suddenly I'm looking around, and my dad is nowhere to be found. Uh, I I can look up to the house that we're staying on I could see it at the top of the hill the problem is we were down the hill and we were across the river Uh, my dad had helped me cross the river to get there so remember I'm just high and uh, so I decided okay well let me go and find my dad and so I start wandering around and I couldn't find him and I don't know how far down the river he was or up the river he was maybe 500 meters but again for short little legs that's too far And so, in my wandering around, it was like, okay, I can't find my dad. The first minute was okay. Second minute, uh, third minute, you start to get a little anxious. Fourth minute, you start to feel a bit lost. You don't quite know, and you kind of think, okay, well, do I carry on looking? Do I go back to where I was? What, what, What action do I need to take? Okay, I can still see the house. And in my anxiety, I thought, well, let me just get to the house. And so I jump into the river. And uh, I'd kind of planned where I thought I'd just be able to go straight across the river. That obviously didn't happen as you get washed down the river. The story ends well. I mean, I'm here. So don't, don't worry about it. And it wasn't, it wasn't too big of a deal. I mean, I managed to make it across. It was just a little trout fishing river. But here's the point of the story. I remember so vividly wandering around feeling lost. And to this day, when I think about that moment... The, the, uh, just by the way my dad's sitting here and that's not a reflection on his parenting so j- just don't don't take the wrong story out of this <laughs> I'm grateful for going fishing with you on uh, many occasions uh, but as we wander around I, I felt the anxiety I felt the I'm lost I felt the hopelessness I felt that okay I, now I don't know It's been long, and my dad hasn't come back. I don't have a solution for this. And what happens in those moments is it puts us into a position to risk and to make decisions that potentially are life-threatening. See, when we're wandering around in the desert, and when we are feeling hopeless, and when we're feeling anxious, and when we're feeling dehydrated, and when we're feeling a little bit like I don't know which way to turn, we can end up taking things into our own hands and making decisions which are not good for our lives. This is what was happening with Hagar and this is what we learn and bring into our own story and maybe you find yourself in that position today where you feel like you're wandering around. I want to tell you today wandering in the desert is not God trying to teach you a lesson. We can learn lessons in that time. I want to say what we need to do when we're wandering around in the desert is look for the way out. And gratefully, we know the way out because We are taught in John uh, chapter 6, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. He goes on to say the truth and the life, but I am the way. And so when we, are finding, when we find ourselves in a similar position to Hagar, who at the time, she's been sent away from all that she's known. She's been sent away from love. She's been sent away from resource. She, she feels like her life has been pulled apart from all of that, which is what many of our lives have felt like over the last little while. Like we've been, we've been separated from community. We've been separated from love. We've been separated from all that we knew and all of our resources. So we've been separated. What do we do in this moment? Where we, we, not, we don't just stand and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? We say, what is the way out and we find it in Jesus Christ who says, I am the way. I am the way. So then you say, okay, Richard, that's all good and well. How do I find the way? How do I find Jesus Christ? So without trying to put a box on God and how he can reveal himself, there are three very clear, uh, clear ways in the Scriptures that we learn about Uh, understanding and knowing jesus and finding the way one is in his word the very thing that we're doing we're gathered here today to worship him in song to gather as a community but but to have the word explained to us so his word is a way that we find jesus and so if you are wandering around dive into the word how else do we find jesus by his spirit By His Spirit, you go, Rich. I don't know the Spirit of God. How am I? How am I supposed to find Jesus if I've never heard His voice? If I don't know His action? Well, let me say this: that the Spirit is often found, most often, is always found. It's not limited to in His community. And too often what we do when we're wandering around and we feel hopeless and we feel depressed and we feel anxious is we make one of those life-threatening decisions and we pull away from community because we think we're not worthy. We think we're lost. Everybody else has their life together and mine's not looking so good. Everybody else has resource. Meanwhile, everyone else is bleeding just the same as you. Everyone else just puts on a face. But here's the reality, when we press into community, when we gather around His Word, the Spirit of God's able to talk, and my story can encourage your story, and your story can encourage me, and my kids' stories, and, and you encouraging my children. I want them to learn faith from you as a community. I want to encourage you. You're all here, so I'm preaching to the, the, the core, the, to the choir here, but the reality is there are friends of ours that should also be pressing into community at a time when they're wandering around in the desert, which is as a result of fallen humanity. So keep pressing in, consistently, and we will find the way. We'll find the way. Number two, it says this, when the water in the skin was gone, and so remember in those days, or maybe you don't remember because you're not as old as me, but uh, they would put water into an animal's skin, uh, and so water was found in the, in the skin. Thank you, John. You got it. A bit late. No one else got it. <laughs> The water in the skin was gone. So now she's confronted with this moment where that that resource that was going to fuel their lives was gone. Water in the desert. And many of us have come face to face with our resource having gone. And if I can use a a picture of a wooden slatted bucket, but all the slats going up, not, not around... So all the slats going up, so many of us, we feel like, oh, my life's okay because I've got five out of six things in order. If we can picture a water bucket, you can have five of your slats all pointing upward, all being all good. It only takes one slat to have a hole in or to be broken for the water to leak out of. And so as we learn from this, the water in the skin was gone, maybe what we can do is we appropriate this as they were now suddenly confronted. When the water's gone in the skin, you have no more water, you start to dehydrate. you get burned, and you start to die, which is what the next point will be as we realize in the story. But for us too, what happens is we can have our finances in order, we can have our marriages in order, we can have our parenting in order, we can have, but when there's one thing, maybe our emotional health is not in order. Maybe our our spiritual journey and community is not in order. It just takes one thing for the water to leak out and we find ourselves being dehydrated and we find ourselves in a position where life starts to drain away from us. What do we do? in that moment. What do we do? So I want to encourage us as we kind of kick off 2022 together as a community. Identify the slat that has a hole in it and Identify what the hole is. Identify that slat that's broken. Identify what it is. And we're able to start patching it together. We're able to start fixing it up so that it can retain waters, that our lives are able to be lives of fullness the way God intended it to be, intended our lives to be. Also, I want to encourage us, we look for so many different water sources today. We look for so many different water sources, but they're all pretenders. There is only one. And we read this in John chapter 4, verse 9 to 14. Only verse 14 is going to come up on the screen. There's this encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman and says to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Friends, if we draw from the correct source, if we turn to Jesus Christ, the way, through His Word, by His Spirit, in community, not only are we freed from wandering in the desert, but we have an eternal resource, an eternal source flowing through us, not looking in our self-help books, not looking to find it in alcohol, not looking to find it in binge-watching Netflix, not looking to find these different sources of trying to just cope within our life. There is only one. There is only one. And I know that the vast majority of people sitting in this auditorium would say, Richard, we know that. Yeah, but we don't necessarily practice. When the water in the skin was gone. Number three, we can maybe identify. She says this. She puts the boy down as uh, the skin's gone and uh, there's this moment of tearing apart. And she says, I can't watch. She says this, I cannot watch the boy die. And she takes herself off to another point, uh, to another part uh, of what, where they are. Perhaps it feels like we've watched some things die over the past season. Perhaps we fear that some things are presently dying. And that both has obviously a physical, some of us have, lost, have physically lost loved ones, their very life being taken from them. But this is far, what I'm talking about is far deeper than that. All of us have lost relationships over the last two years as we've been isolated and separated. And those have to find their way back. Some of us have lost businesses. Some of us have... You know what happens in moments like this when we, when we uh, find ourselves under pressure is we realize just how well we have built on the patterns of God. And what happens when we come under pressure is this, what gets exposed is some people are able to stand because they've built on the patterns of God and some haven't. I don't bring that as bad news, I bring it as a gracious message from our loving Father that to you are still standing and so today you have an opportunity to build your life upon the patterns of God. This day so that when we face another pandemic or when we face another pressure point, when we face something, we're able to stand better than what we just have gone through because we've built upon the foundation. And so what? how do we react to death or how do we react to the fear of death? Things dying, relationships ending, businesses possibly ending, physical illness. There are realities just for some people that they cannot see an end to their physical illness. See, this is what happened. Hagar removed herself when her son needed her the most. But Jesus gave himself when we needed him the most. I want you to hear that, friends. Today, as we sit here, as humanity, we do our best. We do our best. And by the power of God, we... We try to be good for one another, but we will always come short because there is only one that can step into that gap when we need him the most. There is only one. Here was a mother and her son and she got to the point where there was nothing more she could do. And with great pain, I don't present it as a uh, as a callous thing that she did with great pain she said I cannot look upon my son as he dies and she went and sat a bowshot away and she started to cry she started to sob as we read in the scriptures this is a terrible moment of tearing apart because there's nothing more she could do some of us have faced that some of our friends are facing that some of us are experiencing it presently and we're trusting for a then God moment friends I want to encourage you the then God moment comes but in this time We have to learn from this. Hagar removed herself when her son needed her the most, but Jesus gave himself when we needed him the most. Can you hear that today, friends? John chapter 10, verse 10 says this I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't stop, step away, and watch things around us die. He steps towards us and says, will you take hold of the life that I have to offer you? And I can redeem marriages and I can redeem relationships and I can redeem parenting and I can redeem businesses and I can redeem emotional health and I can redeem these things. Jesus takes a step towards us. When we are confronted with death, we have two options, to turn our back and walk away and cry in the corner or to face the one that has stepped into the way in order to bring life and life to the full. What will we choose as we go into this year? Then we have this then God moment. Kind of the fourth concept for today. Then God. And her eyes were opened and she saw a well of water. I don't know if you've ever given that consideration, those that have uh, read the scriptures. So so Hagar's here, Ishmael's there. Then she saw the well. Like, what happened there? Why was she crying and they were dying and when the well was there? And just as I've been giving a consideration this past, this past week, uh, it's so beautiful that God could do one of two things equally easily. He could either, in that moment, have created a well, like it just appeared. It is within his capability to do that. He could equally easily have just kept Hagar and Ishmael's eyes closed to the point of her recognizing she needs a savior. And then in that moment, opening her eyes. And the well could have always been there. And so the stories had me reflecting, and I want, to, I want us to reflect as a community. Like, so, so what could we be missing through our wandering around in the desert? What well could we be missing? What well could we not be seeing through our tears? What well could we not be seeing or letting slip through our grasp with our leaky water buckets? What wells can we trust that God can just create in a moment or more than likely are already in existence and we just haven't seen them because our eyes have not been opened to them? I'm going to share quite a crazy story with you, and it will help pull you into something of our Cornubia story. So for those that are maybe new into our church, we uh, as a community are relocating to Cornubia, which is uh, just by um, Amschland Gateway there. Uh, And there's an incredible piece of land. And so I was uh, flying up to Johannesburg towards the back end of last year, and the Cornubia land hadn't yet transferred into Anthem's name. And I was traveling with another pastor friend of mine, uh, Mark Nyman, who leads The Rock. And uh, we were flying up to to see a friend of ours. And um, he told me uh, about another friend of ours who's planted a church in Stellenbosch. And they've just recently planted. And he says, Rich, have you heard what's happened with Adrian? So I say, no. And he goes, so how's this? A farmer there who owns a wine estate has just made available to him uh, for their church, not, not for rent, to give them, uh, multiple hectare estate with vineyards, with a ready-made auditorium because it was a wedding venue, uh, with kids' facilities, uh, with offices, uh, and, and it's worth ten, uh, multiple tens of millions of rands, uh, and he's just asked for two million rand. So everything in my heart wanted to celebrate while we've been on our three-year journey. And uh, I said to Mark, shucks. I want to be excited. But what about our story? Why couldn't God have done that for us? And then he said something which was so profound to me. The beauty of community. He said, Rich, God has done it for you, just differently. He had, to take you for what, he had to take you beyond what you could do. And so we were asked to pay 15 million rand for a commercial piece of property in the center of the new Cornubia development. And now people have looked at me and said, Richard, you're mad, you're crazy, that's stupid. We are a faith people, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And as I've been pondering that for the last couple of months, you know when like godly statements just torment you in your head? your own sinfulness, and uh, I've, been, I've been pondering it, and, I, and, I, and I've been thinking of the numbers, and the reality of the numbers, and I remember sitting, and the elders will be able to testify to this, um, when we said, what, what number are we prepared to build for, and I said, I feel like I've got faith for 10 million above the sale price of this property, I, f- I feel like that's the, that's the number, 10 million, so what does God do? Okay, well, I'll make it fifteen. And I go, God, I I, I can't do that. good. Of course you can't, because you need to know that I'm in this story. And so I said, okay, so if I'd said five, you would have made it seven. It would have been more manageable. He says, yeah, but you had faith for ten, and so I've just taken it outside of your reach. And then, as only God can do, he doesn't put it at the back end of the whole building project. He puts it at the front end. And say, well, come up with it first, just so that you can know that I am God because we do know statistically that in fundraising, when a building is going up, people are more likely to give to it. At the front end, it's harder. And so what does God do? We stand here today owning a piece of land, a commercial piece of property, 15 million Rand raised during lockdown under economic challenges, not tied to this building, because God can do it. Because God can do it. And so God can equally move upon a man in Stellenbosch, to say, I'm going to knock off a whole lot of money for you, church, and God can equally go, here, we, here is all the money for the piece of land. It makes no difference to him. He can do either, but for us, we've got to go on those faith journeys. It was much harder for me to do it the way that God has asked us to do it than if he had just knocked off a price from Tonga which I prayed and begged would happen. But man, do we have a testimony of God's goodness standing here today. An unbelievable testimony of God's goodness. This is what God can do. And so in Hagar's story, it's like suddenly there was a well, but she had been sobbing and her back was turned to God because she was hiding under a bush away from her son who was dehydrated and dying because they'd run out of resource and she felt she had nowhere to go. Why, do, why so often do we feel like we have to get to the end of our resources before we'll look at God? Before we'll turn to Him. Then God, her eyes were opened. The well was there. Friends, there are wells all around your life. There are wells all around the city. There are wells all around this community. If we would only look up to the way, as opposed to wandering around, as opposed to not looking upon death and facing the reality of sin and facing what the world, the broken world uh, is looking like, instead of hiding out in enclaves, but rather we embrace the one that is able, who has stepped towards, who has stepped forward, who's able to bring life and bring it to the full, as we take hold of Jesus Christ, suddenly we start to see wells all around us. Suddenly we start to see these things. And through our tears, and through our broken buckets, and through all of the deficit, we have a then-God moment. See, faith requires us to keep moving with God, not to have the whole picture or all of the answers. Can we keep walking with God, even when we don't see the picture or have all the answers? Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. I know that all of you love him in this room, who have been called according to his purpose. And then we have the most magnificent statement of this. What started with a, a, a rejection, what started with moving away from love and resource, what, what was heading towards death, ends with this statement God was with the boy as he grew up. God was with the boy as he grew up. You see, friends, God's attention is toward you. God is watching. His desire is to be involved. But we can't see Him when our back is turned towards Him. And so the invitation today, as we read Hagar's story... And as we read this and as we identify possibly some things in her life and her story which may be true in ours or some of our friends' lives or our family's lives, the invitation today is would you turn to see the one who is the way out of the wandering desert? Who is the one who the streams of living water that will never run dry? Who is the one that steps towards our death and pain even when we want to turn our backs? There is this one, Jesus Christ and the then God, and He comes in, and our eyes are opened, and the well of life is stirred up again in our lives, and we get to say, along with Hagar and Ishmael, God is with us as we grow up. That's the story. It's been the story from the beginning of time, and Jesus is still doing the same thing today for each of us. And so would you receive the invitation to look towards Jesus. It's not negating the desert. It's not negating the dehydration. It's not negating the things that are dying. But there is one who can overturn all of that. As we sit here this morning, I wonder if we could allow the Spirit of God. My first point was we find Jesus in His Word, and we've looked at His Word this morning. We find Jesus in community, and we are here as a community, and we find Jesus by His Spirit. And so we're going to ask the Spirit of God to again reveal the wells, to open our eyes, to see what we haven't seen before, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to build faith in us. Jesus, we thank You. We thank you that when we needed you most, when we needed you most, you did not go a bow shot away and hide behind a bush crying, but you stepped towards us. You stepped towards us in order to do what we couldn't do. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you would bring peace to our worlds. Bring bring peace to our souls, to our minds. Bring peace, God. Where Where those of us that are in this room feel like we're wandering in the desert and there's anxiety and there's depression and there's dehydration and there's hopelessness. We thank you that your story is not in the wandering. Your story is in the saving. Your story is in the purpose and the hope. And a future and life to the full. And so, Spirit of God, would you open eyes to the way out of the wandering, to those whose water skins have run dry? Spirit of God, would you wash afresh upon us as a people? Would you renew? Would you quench our thirst? Would you heal our hearts? Would you replenish resource? To those that have faced death or the fear of death and the loss of relationships or businesses or resource or physical life. Thank you that you've come, that we may have life. That you stared death in the face for our sake and on our behalf. And as we sang earlier today, you are victorious. And so as we look to you, death does not overshadow us. And so we look to you in the moments of what we are confronting in this room, what many people are confronting. We look to you. And we ask for the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead and overcame death. Would you, Spirit of God, bring to life relationships and businesses and resources and physical health? Would you bring to life, God? We look to you for our then God moment. We look to you. So that we, like Ishmael, like Hagar, may say, God is with us. God is with us. If you're sitting in this room and you've never made a decision to put your life into Jesus' hands, I would love to offer you that opportunity. If you've never made a decision to, uh, to look to Jesus as the way for your life, But today, you want to say, actually, Rich, I, I feel like I can identify with the story of Hagar's, and, and I haven't found the way, but if you tell me it's Jesus, I want to put my life into Jesus' hands. If you want to make that decision today, put your life in Jesus' hands, and you haven't done that before, I'd love you just, while, while heads are bowed, just raise your hands so that I can just see you. There was a gentleman in the first service that made that decision. So you would not be alone today in this community making a decision to put your trust in Jesus. Is there anyone here? And for the rest of us, God, we want to thank you that we can take courage from this story. We thank you that you rescued and that her story can encourage us that you would do the same for us. And so I thank you that as a community called Anthem, we can face 2022 knowing that God is with us, that he is able to bring wells, to create wells, to open eyes to new wells, that you are able to do that for us. And I pray that we as a church would be a well for this city in 2022. Would you do that amongst us for us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.